So the first weekend of June, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing Colossal Con out in Sandusky at the uh, at the Kalahari Water Park. Yep, we uh, have in three. Hotel. We have performances and panels. We'll be there Friday and Saturday. We'll publish a schedule soon on our Facebook page. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Reboot the universe. Come, on. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. music you know it's time for the action comedy nerd show podcast i'm your host dr jerry jaffe and sitting with me is your co-host dan brown yes hi hello world we are now standing here in our brand new studio uh, surrounded with a uh, fine wiring electricity soundboards, computers flowers a staircase to god knows where there is a naked woman outside just looking at us uh she's looking at dan yeah without a doubt well, Dan and I just got back from Indiana Comic Con last week. Yes, we did. Uh, we met a lot of uh, people, did some panels. We had a good time. We met some good people while we were there. Absolutely. And some good guests, too. We had the uh, the people from the radio, Coffin yeah. and Keith and... Uh, Bandita. And, and Bandita. We had uh, we met Luke from uh, from Hybrid. Yep, Luke Hurst. Hi- uh, Hybrid Network Hybrid on YouTube. Hybrid Network, yes, yes, sorry. And uh, DJ Dangler. Yes, hilarious comedian. Yes. And wrestling commentator. Yes. <laughs> uh, I wish we would talk more wrestling with him. Well, while we were hanging out at the con, we just realized that there's a lot of pop culture happening around us that we're not... <laughs> uh, it's popping out of our phones. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I really hope that picked uh, it up. <laughs> I'm getting texts from students. Shout out to Caleb. Keep up the good work. Oh my God, Jerry, is that a penis someone sent you? <laughs> no, it's mine. I feel like I'm doing like a morning radio voice right now. <laughs> like I'm, I'm really not trying to. Hey guys, <laughs> where's your waka waka sound effect? Oh, kaboom! Oh, <laughs> uh, we're just seeing all of the fart noise. <laughs> all the uh, yes merchandise, all the cosplayers, all the talk going on and. Pop culture is going on all around us, and we just thought we wanted to throw together a quick episode where we talk about some things going on right now before they went zooming too far past us. Yes, uh, we will be doing some spoilers here, um, so just be advised. Um, but yeah, we definitely yeah. want to talk about uh, talk about some good stuff going on in pop culture. So this is just uh, this is April 2017, and let's just see what's going on. Let's start with this, Dan Brown. What's the last movie you saw? Uh, last movie I saw in the theaters was Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Yes. I'll say right up front, I have not seen that yet. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 47% right now, which is uh, which is disappointing to see that they gave it that because I thought it was almost perfect. I, almost perfect. I will. I'm going to ask you about that, but I will say you brought. The Rotten Tomato score. Mm-hmm. I would say, based on what I heard people saying at the con, it came up at a couple different panels that it was like a fifty-fifty split. 
some people really loved it and some people were kind of down on it. You know what? I think overall, um, I think you're, you're kind of right. Mm -hmm. um, more so in, in from what I saw has been people right. enjoying it. Right. Uh, like a, the, the, the true Power Ranger fans and, okay. and from the friends that I, I have who right. are still Power Ranger fans that I've talked to have really enjoyed it. Um, yes, it's a remake. Yes, they change some stuff around, but sometimes change is good. You know, if you try doing the story that they did the TV show with, um, you know, I, I think you'll get the nostalgic feel. Right. But you're also not going to get a lot of, uh, you know, context with the story. Sure. So one of the complaints I heard was that it was that it wasn't the Power Rangers anymore because of the changes you're talking about. Well, all right. So the original <laughs> Power Rangers on the on the pilot episode is different than what they did in the you know in the introduction because the introduction Zordon says Alpha find me five teenagers with attitude right uh, and he never actually says that in the show he's like uh, we need five emotionally unstable uh, <laughs> youngsters or whatever uh, and trying he, to put together a team of comedians yeah what? yeah it's it, oh it's it's <laughs> I'd rather take the five emotionally teenagers than, <laughs> than a group of comedians <laughs> fighting for me um, and then Alpha's like oh no not teenagers compared to this one here right. where um, the teenagers they're actually I don't want to say with attitude but they all have like bad pass where sure um, like the one was like the star football player Mm. And he, uh, you know, he made some mistakes trying to do the senior prank and uh, trying to get a cow into the building and, and uh, running away from the police, turning his car off or turning his uh, his lights off in the middle of the night, trying to sure. get away from police. And then he ends up wrecking his car, flipping it over by hitting a couple parked cars. And after you do that and you run away from the police, you know, that's a pretty uh, right. That's that's a pretty nice mark on your record. Um, the this smart... is this was something in the movie you're describing. Yeah, right yeah. Now. Okay. Um, the 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 Pink Ranger Kimberly. Um, you know, she sent a a picture around of one of her teammates on cheerleading. Sure. Like it was a more provocative picture. You know, sent that around the kids. So cyberbullying essentially. Sure. Uh, isn't it troubling that the Power Rangers are color coded in such obvious ways? Well, you know what? In, in the TV show, yes, it was wrong. But then again, we're talking about 1993 when okay. it was just like, oh, yeah, we'll make the black one black because who cares what black people are thinking? Well, sure. I mean, they'd, they'd only just barely signed the Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> yeah. And then they had the, uh, the the Asian Ranger, the Asian person as the Yellow Ranger because it right. was like, well, Asians don't have any feelings. Right. What, they won't know the difference. <laughs> Plus, I mean, it was kind of like a Japanese show in the first place. It originally was a well, Japanese and nobody's show. more racist than Japanese people, so... <laughs> I'm not saying that, but it was like, oh, we need to make one person Japanese. Why not the yellow one? Which is still, like, a bad thing to do. Um, so it was an homage to the original. Yes, I yes. You. If, if you, As a white person saying that, yes, yeah. it was an homage. Um, did they get anything right in the new movie? I mean, you loved it. Yeah, I mean, what, they, what did well, they score high what they on? did was they, they, they changed the story to make it a little more modern. Sure. Where... You know, they of course they had the smart one. You're like, well, why is the smart one in there? Well, he he made a he accidentally made a bomb and put right. it in his lunchbox or something, or he had chemicals in his lunchbox and he blew the locker off the door. So, so clearly, so this is some kind of mashup between Power Rangers and Breakfast Club. Yeah, you know what? There there are you know there are similarities. Um, that is something I did see uh, before, mm -hmm. and uh, something I did kind of bring up mm -hmm. talking to somebody was that yeah, I mean these these are five troubled teens from somewhere but they all found their purpose being together right. and they all ended up making a pretty good team so they spent an afternoon in the school library oh no they and had then to they spend, got they had to spend many afternoons magical powers um, yeah and then they wrote an essay explaining how they'd grown as people <laughs> i don't think the essay was the was the part of it but this is the part that like i i did find troubling is i watched that 
and they're like, okay, um, you know, now they all have like these superpowers after finding the power, the power coins and everything. Um, they decide like, hey, I'm going to make a fire. Let's camp out. And it's like they're still 17 year olds, like right. not going home for the night. Right. <laughs> you know, like no one that didn't send red flags anywhere. Right. And the Red Ranger should are we, still are have. Are we expecting a little baby Power Ranger in the future? <laughs> no, no, we're not. From the movie, no. Um, but like the Red Ranger still has like his ankle bracelet on from House oh, Arrest. Okay. And it was like, all right, now now we're getting a little silly here that like the police haven't noticed that right. it hasn't gone off no matter what Billy did. You know, right. at any point, like they didn't knock on the door. At any point, the dad wasn't like, you know, hey, where's my son? He should be home right now. What was the best part of the movie? Um, best part of the movie overall, I would have to say, and, and again, in my opinion, was um, again spoiler. Right. Um, so we find out that Zordon was a former ranger with a with a team of his own. Okay, and it was sixty million years ago, sixty five million years ago. And it's during this war of the planets, and he gets on his communicator, and he tells like Alpha, send the uh, meteor my way. Right. So you're under the expectation that the meteor that struck Earth that, right. that he used was the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. Right. And and Zordon's kind of like a dick in this, where before like he's the father figure, like the okay. face father figure. He was using the Rangers to try to come back himself. And when Billy died, okay, um, who in this in the movie series, uh, the Blue Ranger is black. Okay. And the uh, Black Ranger is Asian. So they. Okay. There's <laughs> a nice little little switch there where it's like, okay. oh, you can't say we're racist now. <laughs> um, we'll just switch a couple of colors around. <laughs> um, Billy dies and they take him back to the command center. And, you know, their their powers as a team actually start making like the, the thing in the middle of the command center start going crazy. And like, okay, you can step through Zordon. It's now starting to work. You can come and come back to life and all the powers go out and Zordon's back on the screen. He's like, what happened? He's like, I can only bring back one and Billy comes back to life. Okay. So it was actually like a pretty cool touching moment where you actually saw Zordon grow too, which okay. on the show, he was just the know-all, be-all right. figure. Sure. You know, and compared to this one okay. where it's like, all right, he's got his own agenda too he wants to accomplish. All so, right. What about you? The last movie I saw, which was a few weeks ago, uh, in the cinema was... In the cinema. In the movie theater was Logan. Great movie. was a great movie. I loved it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I like the X-Men movies as a series, but they never seem to like hit a home run. Mm-hmm. They always seem to be good, but imperfect somehow. Yeah. Well, you know, I think like the first X-Men movie that came out, I think it was like 99 right. or something. Right. I felt like that was pretty good. Like, right. I remember seeing it in the movie theater. I remember going with a bunch of friends I went to middle school with. And like that was the first movie where I went without my parents. Right. Or, you know, without any parental figures. I, I really enjoyed the first X-Men. Second X-Men I enjoyed. Third X-Men I was like, eh, which seems right. to be the, sure, the sure. consensus on the third. Then Wolverine Origins I actually liked. Most people, you know, shit right. on it. But, <laughs> uh, when they did the, um, I don't want to say the reboot because it's still within the same universe. Sure. When they did the Origins. Yeah. Uh, first Class I loved. Um, Days of Future Past I loved. Okay. Uh, the Wolverine I thought was okay. I thought it was much better than uh, Origins. Okay. Or I thought it was better than Origins, but I I still, you know, just thought it was okay. Apocalypse, I didn't really care for too much. Right. But Wolverine, I I loved it. I liked Logan. There were things about it, again, uh, I'm stammering because I want to say is I've had people, I've seen people say online, on Facebook, on Reddit, that it's the, might be the best superhero movie of all time. Mm -hmm. So I... I can't get on board with that level of um, hyperbole. I don't think so either. Right. Yeah. 
I, I liked it. One of them, um, I've talked about this on other podcasts and with you a lot. I don't think a superhero movie can be great without a great supervillain. Yeah. And to me, this was another example of, instead of supervillains, they just had sort of mercenaries and this kind of generic company. Yeah. Transgen, transgen. Well, I felt, I felt like with this one, when it came to the villain, you know, it, it was very unclear who the main villain was in yeah. the middle of the movie. Yep. You know, was it this this guy at the beginning of the movie who comes in his car and yeah, which that's the head of the Reavers, right, right, which is basically a mercenary band as depicted here, or was it like the you know the 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 crazy doctor right who, who made the the mutants, which was Xander Rice played by Richard E. Grant, who I like as an actor, but again he just sort of wanders in the movie in the middle, yeah, and then is a dick, or was it then... or was it X twenty four younger Wolverine, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was yes. <laughs> it was like okay, clearly X twenty four is the the muscle villain yeah. in the movie. Yeah, he's also kind of the nemesis. He's like the evil version of Wolverine. Yeah, which don't um, get me wrong, I love watching some old Logan versus young Logan. Logan. Oh was, yeah, Logan on Logan action is always good. Oh yeah, but um, oh yeah, put your claw there, baby. I like um, Patrick Stewart. I think he was good casting as Doctor Xavier. Yeah, and then he's always been good as Doctor Xavier, he, he, and he brings that kind of like. The seriousness of a Shakespearean actor, yeah. but also he can be silly. Mm-hmm. He can be a comic book character and a Star Trek character, but he can do like boiler alerts coming up. He can do the death scene in Logan, yeah. like in a very both realistic and moving way. Yeah, I will say I felt like he was part of the villain because if they did not stay at that house that night, like yes. Logan said not to, right, yeah. that family would still probably be alive. Well, I a pet peeve of mine in movies are other types of stories is what I call fake problems. Yeah. Like that whole act of the movie in the farmhouse is a fake problem. Yeah. It's not actually part of the problem that they're facing. Yeah. They've just put an artificial obstacle into the story. Yeah. So there can be like fight scenes and drama. Yeah. Yes, maybe I'm not sounding very sentimental for not valuing Logan's growth as a character. Like he's supposed to go through an emotional journey in this Mm -hmm. portion of the story. Except that, as you say, all of the negative consequences of that decision are not only Xavier's fault, not his. Yeah. But it also is more or less meaningless to the plot of the movie. Yeah. They could have totally skipped that scene, still gone to Eden, still fought the Reavers, still done like everything else that happened. You could have honestly put X-24 at the very end of the movie with no explanation and it it would have made sense. I like Stephen Merchant as Caliban. I think he's a very funny actor. Uh, Office fans know he's the creator of the original yes. The Office with Ricky Gervais, Ricky Gervais' writing partner. I thought that was great casting for Caliban. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say this is like going straight to the end of the movie kind of like you did. And I'm just judging the movie. I know it's based on a graphic novel. Yeah. I've not read the graphic novel. I don't know if you have, Dan. Uh, not really. Old Man or, Logan. Oh, I have the comics. I just honestly haven't had sure. time to read them. So I guess I want to acknowledge I don't know how it plays out. Yeah. And so there might be that's got to be a factor in it. Sure. But it seemed to me they were setting up, especially with taking time for Logan to kind of mature sure. and Xavier dying, mm-hmm. that he was going to like take over this band and become like the new professor. Yeah. Whereas having him sacrifice himself for the kids mm-hmm. also was borderline like a meaningless gesture. You thought so? I thought so. Okay. I mean, it was a noble gesture. Yeah. And we suppose his actions at the end help the kids escape. Yeah. So I guess I shouldn't call it completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. 
fought. But at the same time, like those kids the, are still kids, even though they're yeah. Now they're they lost in two. Canada. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where and they don't have an they don't X-Men have like a real map. They just have <laughs> mentor to teach them how to be X Men. Yeah, which it seemed to me the film was setting up Logan to be that to be the mentor. Like he's losing his powers. He's sickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be too much to actually have a, the last scene. He's in a wheelchair with a blanket over his legs. But at the same time, I also can't see as much as of a dick as Logan can be. I also don't see him letting kids go out and. Fight for it. Like, I don't see him letting that happen. Yes. Well, he never let it happen in the other X Men movies. No. Any of the young X Men, he never, like, approved of them fighting. No. He was like, you stay here. Yes. <laughs> get these kids out of here. Yeah. Yeah. The oldest the- kid leads the other kids out of the <laughs> yeah, uh, mansion before the explodes it's, it's for the young people. Lead- it's sheep leading sheep. Yes. <laughs> I will say, I, I in, when it comes to superhero movies, um, um, you know, I, I, I give Logan a high rating. Yeah, um, Dark, I definitely enjoyed it. By yeah. the way, Dark yeah. Knight's still my favorite, personally. Right. I, I and that's just my own personal thing. If you don't like it, then you know whatever. You have your own opinion. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed Dark Knight. Yeah, I have I, to say, uh, Dark Knight still has my number one for me. Um, I, I don't know if I can go like uh, I'm not used to making lists, even yeah. though the internet wants us to. Yes. So I'll just say when I'm asked this and pushed into a corner. I usually pick Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire. Okay. And um, Doc Ock. Spider-Man 2 also got some slack too, but I also enjoyed that movie. First of all, I thought they had uh, perfected the CGI of all the Spidey effects. Like in the first one, they were like developing yeah. those CGI effects, but in the second one, it really worked well. Yeah, I felt I felt like uh, yeah. And then also, um, I, Doc Ock is one of my favorite comic book villains from from reading comic books as a kid. Mm-hmm. And to me, he's the epitome of the perfect supervillain in that he is like the nemesis of Spider-Man. Sure. They're both eight-legged freaks. Yeah. They're both about equally powerful. They're both science geniuses. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, who, what else was the uh, the point of Spider-Man too? Wasn't that uh, Green Goblin and, um, well, not Green, not so much Green Goblin. No, no. But, it, um, it, it's kind of the origin story because the right, first right. movie, his father dies. Yeah. He what, spends the second movie like... Hating Spider-Man. What was the other goblin in that movie? Um, Willem Dafoe's character. What? So the first Spider-Man movie, this main supervillain is Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Yeah. And then in the second movie, his son kind of just hates Spider-Man. Right. And at the very end, Harry, Harry, Harry Osborn, yeah. sort of learns about the Green Goblin. Sure. And in the third movie, he comes in as like the new Green Goblin. The new goblin. Green Goblin, yeah. And then the new Green Goblin... Hates Spider-Man, but likes Peter Parker. Right. So he's like conflicted about how to behave. And in the second one, that's where he does find out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. By the end, he finds out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Peter Parker's relationship with Harry and Mary Jane is unfolding during that whole movie as well. Yeah. Because in the first movie, they do it with Harry and Mary Jane kind of dating, but kind of that doesn't then, work then out. Then she well. breaks up with Harry and, at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. And then she goes to right. Peter, and Peter turns her down. But I thought that the Doc Ock Spider-Man villain supervillain story arc mm-hmm. was about as good. Yeah, at least what I would like to see in a superhero movie. Well, Spider-Man, if I'm correct, is your favorite right. superhero. Yeah, that is correct. And Batman being my favorite, yep. so I think naturally, I mean, th- we're going to have those biases. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, and I thought what I like about Batman, and I you know up to Batman is on my list. Yeah. He's a top five favorite superhero. And something you and I have disagreed about. I actually like Daredevil. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, comic book version of Daredevil. Comic book not, version, yeah. And Netflix version. And not my not, uh, not, not the Dan the Brown joke for not, <laughs> version of not liking Daredevil. Correct. Not that version. <laughs> but all three of those characters have something in common, which is they're not uh, OP. Yeah. Uh, you know, Superman is too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man is borderline too powerful. But all three, Spider-Man, Batman, and Daredevil... Are like slightly better humans. Yeah. <laughs> well, you they're know, still very vulnerable. When I, when when I tell people like if you look at the battle between Batman and Superman and everyone yeah. you know they ask people who don't know the comics don't read the story right. ask why I always pick Batman over Superman right is because as much as I love Superman he has too much honor and he has too much strength okay. and he has too much power right which means if anyone gets corrupted for story reasons he's the one that has to fall. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Where Batman is underneath him with honor. Right. Batman is underneath him with strength, clearly, and powers. Um, but Batman holds his honor in, in, a, in a different right. way. Where Superman might look at the world falling apart and being like, oh my God, we caused this. Batman will look right. at it and be like, oh my God, we saved it. All right. You know what I mean? Right. So, So where the corruption comes, it, you know, storyline wise right the mightiest have to fall right in order for the number one and the number two mighty to 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 fight right you know what i mean and then when the number two then triumphs the former number one right you know that the number two is he'll be number one now forever right i know i'm throwing number one and two out a little too much but yeah well you're talking about it in really mythical terms Right. So I know what you're. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, people at home might have to slow this down and listen to it in slow motion to follow what you're the, saying. The the most noble is the one who has to fall. Right. In Dan, story mode. Dan, what is the next movie you plan to see? Gay porn. Okay. Um. <laughs> I don't mean when I leave today. I mean in the movie theater. The one I'm more excited for is Wonder Woman. Um, okay. I'm going to see Guardians for yes. sure, but but Wonder Woman I'm I'm more excited for. Well, DC for life. Well, I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman and Guardians. Yeah. Those are upcoming. A uh, movie I want to see next has came out a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't had a chance to see it yet, which is Ghost in the Shell, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I will re- reserve judgment until I see it, to be fair, but I do have reservations. I have two reservations about it. Mm-hmm. One is the original Japanese film, Ghost in the Shell, Okay. is with Blade Runner, my two favorite science fiction movies. Now, is this... This isn't an animated movie, is it? The this the, the Scarlett Johansson version is not an animated version. Right. But the original movie was okay. Because I gotta be honest with you, I, I know very little about this movie. I know I've seen trailers for it and commercials right. for it, but I really don't know the the history beyond it. It was funny. I was talking to a vendor at Comic Con. I was looking at T-shirts, and I noticed even though Ghost in the Shell, the the reboot version of Scarlett Johansson, has come out already. Mm-hmm. She didn't have any shirts, this one vendor. So I was asking, hey, don't you have any uh, Ghost in the Shell shirts? And she said, this vendor said, she hadn't invested in any yet because I wasn't clear if this movie was going to be a hit or not. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people like me are like, oh, what's this? You know, can we get behind this version of the movie? Sure. So she had shirts for like every other hit thing, but no uh, Ghost in the Shell shirts. Yeah. So it's definitely something that's like surrounding the movie. And then I would imagine though there would still be some kind of market for it though. Well, you'd think. I mean, yeah. if you're at Indiana Comic Con, you'd think there'd be vendors with some something of Ghost. But in I the didn't shell. see any Ghost in the Shell T-shirts at any of the stands. No. And then and then there's the so-called issue of whitewashing. Um, in that in the original film, all the characters are Japanese. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but I don't to know say, I'm looking at this. Is Scarlett Johansson supposed to be Japanese? She is not supposed to be Japanese per se, but she's supposed to be like a the character's a cyborg. Yeah, whose body has been completely augmented. Yeah. So except for a few brain cells, no part of her body is human anymore. Mm -hmm. And. I think that gave like some poetic license of why does the cyborg of the character have to have an ethnicity? Yeah. So the character I think is still Japanese in quote marks, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the cyborg body. Yeah. And and there's another major character who's like highly augmented and is being played by a non-Asian character, although it's also supposed to be Japanese character. Mm -hmm. So this reminds me of. Uh... Of a, a skit that was on Chappelle show where Paul Mooney reviews movies. Oh, okay. like, come on! You got Tom Cruise playing the Last Samurai. Uh, you got, and it was like all these like different oh, ethnicities yeah. that like all these white actors were playing. And then he was like, you know, some uh, next movie is going to be about me, the last N word on earth, played by Tom Hanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it kind of just reminds oh, me of here. But I mean, I look past it. <laughs> well, here's the thing: it's I mean, good being white, folks. It it came up with. Uh, hardcore with um tilda swinton mm -hmm. and being the one and you know the argument there is that the one as a mythic figure is not asian it's like transcends right different people have been the one over generations and so it's not an asian character per se that didn't stop some people from saying why are you having a sure white woman play an oriental man it's almost like if you go case by case like you say tilda swinton the one is like a mystic character that changes doesn't have to be asian sure and scarlett johansson's character is a cyborg that doesn't why does the cyborg body have to be asian yeah but when you look at like the 50 movies in the past 10 years there's clearly yeah you could see why people would be upset about yeah this I, I, trend i can, I can my favorite imagine. is jake gyllenhaal playing the prince of persia yeah yeah oh, and i just is, that is a weird and pick. i just watched gods of egypt was in the recent uh, Gods of Egypt, in which Danish actor Nikolaj Kuster Waldo mm -hmm. played Horus, the Egyptian god. Uh, they literally have a handsome, blonde, chiseled jawed. Blue eyed. Great actor. He's in Game of Thrones. We love him in Game of Thrones. But playing. Apparently, he was doing P90X 2000 <laughs> years before it was a thing. Correct. Uh, all right. So that's the movie I am looking forward to seeing. Now, in the movie, did he have a beard? He did not have a beard. He had like his five o'clock shadow stubble. Yeah. I yes. mean, how often were people shaving back then? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just tick off a few things quickly that have come up. All right. Here's a few things real quick. Yeah. Uh, just a minute on each. Let's do a speed round. Just before we started today, we watched the trailer for Aftermath, Arnold Schwarzenegger's new movie. Yes. Airplane collision, and he wants to hold the air traffic controller responsible. Yes. What were your impressions of that trailer? Um, It's an Arnold movie. He aged well. He's he, like accepting his age in this movie, it looked like. He aged a lot better than most, you know, I don't know, the the shape he's actually in. Right. Um, they didn't show too many scenes with his shirt off. Actually, they didn't show any of them. No, nope, he had his shirt on in the trailer. Compared to old Arnold movies. Fact, he, had where two or three, was... <laughs> he had two or three layers on, I noticed. Yeah, he, uh, I, think that, I think they were covering up a little so, bit. Something but, there. Um, Is this a movie you want to see based on the trailer? I would see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go rushing out to go see right. it. Right. Um, mostly because I'm just a fan of Arnold. Sure. I mean, what about you? Uh, this has uh, basic cable written all over it to me. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> this is definitely going to be on FX in under a year. <laughs> I don't see spending $12 on this movie. No. I, um, it doesn't make sense. So if you're watching it, he's going to the airport. looks like he's leaving a construction job. Um, and he's decorating his house, like walk him home. Yes. And, 
apparently this woman who is pregnant enough to almost give birth they're allowing on an airplane nine and a half month pregnant woman <laughs> yeah they're, they're letting this woman on an airplane which is i'm assuming a right. no-go everywhere right. else even on even on uh, uh continental and then they show him part of the team that's searching the wreckage yeah which i don't know if that was like a dream sequence <laughs> But apparently he, he this guy has some kind of uh some kind of background in biology or <laughs> Yep, no, that's a re- real thing apparently. Yeah. <laughs> he um so yeah, he, he he looks like he found his family which, you know, somehow after being in an airplane collision right. is not uh uh I mean they're not scarred, they're not burned. It's This is supposedly based on a real event. Uh, actually uh speaking of Denmark when a uh, there was a mid-air collision and a, a survivor blamed the air traffic controller. And I don't know about the movie, but in the real incident, the air traffic controller was murdered by someone who held him responsible. Huh. But I know in the trailer, they show the air traffic controller like turns away from his counsel to take a sip of coffee. And yeah. then he turns back and he's confused because there's two airplanes like heading towards each other. Yeah. Is this happening? Is this what happens in air traffic control I, I really hope not. <laughs> All right, how about this? He Dan? seemed pretty alert. It's not like he was sleeping on the job. Yeah. Just last week, the new season of Doctor Who came on. Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Um, what as the doctor. On? That's on BBC America. Okay. Um, the first couple episodes are out. I am a big Doctor Who fan. I've seen every episode since it's rebooted, and I've probably seen every episode of the old series you can easily watch yeah, on online. Netflix, yeah. On Netflix. Oh, there's other online sources, you know, mm-hmm. streaming services as well. So I'm a big Doctor Who nerd. This season is famous for the Doctor Who nerdum because the showrunner is called Stephen Moffat. He's okay. been taking care of the show for four or five years. He's leaving after this season. Okay. And the Doctor is probably going to change as well so that the new showrunner will be able to cast his own actor. From my understanding, doesn't the Doctor change just about every year, though? It's not every year. Okay. Um, it goes through just a, a few seasons each of the 13 or 14 guys who have played the Doctor have had different contracts and okay. different situations. Um, Are they all British? Yeah, not English. Okay. But they have had other like Scottish actors. and. Well, uh, they should get The Rock to play the next one. I'd watch yes. that one. Well, yes, that would be the <laughs> Dr. Rock. Dr. Rock. The big knock on Stephen Moffat, especially over the years that he's run the show, is that it sometimes seems like it's fan fiction. Yeah. Like... Things that would that fans would think of at home, as opposed to <laughs> he's taking he's taking mail and requests. <laughs> well, like for example, in the pilot, like the old Tonight Show would. <laughs> in the first episode of the new season, he has also has a new companion because Doctor Who always has a companion or two to travel with. Mm-hmm. And one of the ongoing, you know, bits of the show over fifty years is that they call him the Doctor, and then one of the other characters will say Doctor Doctor Who. Yeah, and so the new companion. <laughs> When confronted with that scenario, said, Doctor, Doctor what? Yeah. And that so feels like something a fan would write. Like, wouldn't it be funny if someone said, Doctor said what? Dr. Instead of Doctor what? who? Doctor when? Yes. <laughs> doctor why? Yes. <laughs> I think they should make an Asian doctor. Professor. <laughs> make it really racist as fuck. <laughs> doctor who? Yep, that's me. He, and he, of course, he'd wear a yellow yeah. trench coat. Because <laughs> he's the yellow doctor. And, and then the reboot 20 years later, he would be the black doctor. <laughs> And they have a bit where uh, always the first time a companion goes into the TARDIS, sure. which is a huge, I mean, if you've watched the whole show for many years, it's huge, almost infinite space inside of it that can be explored. And someone will always be like wide-eyed and like, oh my God. And then someone will say it's it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And they brought in the new companion and she didn't say that. And then the doctor got frustrated, like, you know, it's bigger, right? It's bigger. 
and that just seemed like such fan fiction writing to me yeah. to say yeah um, like to try to say hey guys we're paying attention it wouldn't yes. be funny if yeah. yes now Stephen Moffat has written some of the most some of the best episodes of the past reboot since sure. it came back so I do like Stephen Moffat but it, it definitely the new season so far has been showing signs of what he's most criticized of okay which is writing a like a fan would write it as opposed to, I don't know, a more professional or nuanced approach. So, I mean, are, are people complaining about the show or? I haven't seen much buzz online yet, mm-hmm. so I'm not, I'm not sure. But people have complained. Some people have complained about Stephen Moffat. Yeah. It is, he is a controversial, become a controversial figure in Doctor Who. So it lore. sounds like, you know, taking like fan stuff and everything like that, like, mm-hmm. Um, as you know, like being a wrestling fan, like sure. wrestling fans hate wrestling. Like right. nothing that ever happens makes them happy. happy and yes. I was actually, I was talking to uh, my buddy Mark about this and he was like, it's like the old saying goes, he's like, of course I hate wrestling. I watch it every week. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Whereas like, I, I feel like from what you're telling me, like there's, there's kind of like this, this same thing going on with Doctor Who where it's like, oh, I can't stand the show. It's bullshit. And I, I can't wait to watch next week the bitch about it again. Well, it definitely has that quality too uh, that uh, some fandoms do of old school versus new school. Yeah. Like there's definitely some of that going on. Mm-hmm. Well, I mentioned And then every, every time, time every yeah. time you change a, a doctor, <laughs> then you get like, what do you think of the new doctor? Yeah. And everybody who was complaining about the old doctor now loves the... <laughs> I mean, were there old complaints doctor. about the last doctor? Or? The last doctor was pretty popular, and I think people like that, which was Matt Smith. And I think people do like the um, what do you want to say? The new doctor, Peter Capaldi himself. People really enjoy okay. in general. I, I will say the first uh, two episodes have generally been getting good reviews, like TV critics and magazines and things that are a little more official. But I haven't seen a lot of fan reactions yet. Sure. Dan, we have two more uh, bullet points here. Let's knock those out. Yes. I just came across this week. I've read the Stephen King series, um, The Dark Tower, which mm-hmm. features The Gunslinger. And I know for years they've been trying to figure out a way to make a movie out of that series. And, in fact, the, the movie should be out later this year. Okay. And it's sort of under the radar. You don't hear a lot of press about it yet. I mentioned we'll probably hear more stuff about it as it, as it gets closer. I think you're right. Yeah. The gunslinger is the main character, and he's sort of this mythic figure. Stephen King has said that when he was a young writer, the two biggest influences on him were the Lord of the Rings and the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns. Right. And he wanted to take like that Clint Eastwood character and put him in a fantasy epic world, mm-hmm. and that's basically what the Dark Tower is. Here's the casting. The two big uh, casting notes are the gunslinger, who's also called Roland, is being played by um, Ildris Alba. Yeah, the guy's in everything. The guy's in everything. Office, Thor. Yeah. yeah, Office, Thor, Star Trek. Star Trek. New Star Trek movie. Uh, what was that other big one? That well, big show? Uh, well, he was on The Wire. The Wire, yeah. The Wire, that's where he sort of broke through to American TV audiences and American pop culture. He was great in that. You and I just looked it up before we started. In 2016 and 17, he has 10 movies. Yeah, between like <laughs> Zootopia and, and uh, uh, um, Avengers, know, Avengers and everything. Yeah, yeah he, he's definitely a busy yeah. guy. And then his main nemesis is uh, something called The Man in Black or The Wizard or Walter has been cast, Matthew yeah. McConaughey. Well, he is a nemesis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to all men. Yes. <laughs> um, well, speaking of nemesis to all men, let's just real quick, Dan, I know you wanted to talk about the big news and pop Culture news. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's a nemesis to men. <laughs> <laughs> nemesis to women and yeah. right-thinking men. Uh, Bill O'Reilly lost his job at Fox this week. Oh, how terrible. 
How terrible. I, I wish I got fired and got paid $25 million. <laughs> that was... Yeah, if that's a golden parachute, that's a platinum parachute, that's a diamond parachute. I will say, though, I mean, it, it, I, I rarely ever fully agree with a guy on anything, yeah. but he was an entertaining person to listen to. I mean, anytime he was on Letterman, I watched. Anytime he was on The Daily Show, I watched. Uh, he was the number one show on Fox, yeah. which is the number one cable news network. Yeah. It's been, it's been reported this week that his show alone generated $100 million. That's crazy. Yes, that's a huge amount of money, obviously. And uh, since he was sort of suspended and then fired, Tucker Carlson has taken over. Oh, I can't stand that guy. Indeed. Yeah. He has his fans, especially in Fox World. I don't understand how that guy has any fans. And they say that there's only been like a very small like dip in ratings. Really? Like statistical error level dip in ratings. Wow. I guess he, he filled in and yeah. he's given them what they want. Yeah. I mean, I suspect people who are the, the daily watchers of like, the O'Reilly Factor is Destination Television. Yeah. Just turned on their TV. There's Tucker. Sad and... that O'Reilly's gone, but another familiar face that they already trust is on. Yeah. And what are they going to do? Switch over to MSNBC? MSNBC? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that's not going to happen, happen anytime soon. Right. Um, I mean, he's got he's got his fans. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure the majority of his fans. Do not look at what he's doing as well, a big deal. Well, you know what I saw? Uh, or they'll, they'll justify. I didn't know you wanted to, we were going to talk about Bill O'Reilly today. And I did see one story about him just this morning. We're uh, recording on a sad Sunday afternoon. Yeah. I saw in this morning's news that next Monday, his podcast debuts. Oh, God. The Bill O'Reilly weekly the, podcast. Is he going to have guests on there? I guess. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of information about it yet. I, I think. I, I hope mean, he has John Stewart on. Well, you know, it's, you know, uh, I highly doubt it. it. It will probably end up being a highly rated podcast on iTunes and whatnot. At least for a but while. But I can't imagine that his his core base of fans f- from Fox know what a podcast is or yeah, I how to imagine. turn on a computer or what electricity <laughs> is. You know, they have their grandson come over, help yes. him out with the iPod. <laughs> Listen, I bought a laptop and I bought an iPod and I bought a router. I need you to come over and set <laughs> yeah. it up for me. And how do you work this remote? Yeah. <laughs> Is there any way I can use the remote to turn on the iPod? <laughs> well, you know, when Glenn Beck lost his job on Fox, and then he started his kind of like an internet-based, almost a YouTube channel type of show. Yeah. He had 60,000 subscribers, but in the world of like niche marketing, that was a lot of money. Yeah. Because besides being like monthly subscribers, which I don't know what it was, $10, $20 a month, so there's a base income right there. Yeah. But that's 60,000 people who buy almost any crap that you put out. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I have a guaranteed new book, 60,000, direct marketing, straight to your fans, sell 60,000 copies guaranteed. Holy cow. I, I, I assume Bill O'Reilly can do better than Glenn Beck, but... Oh, I imagine he can too. Glenn Beck's a weirdo. Well, yeah. Like, that guy, man. I mean, you talk about a personality. Well, again, uh, hey... If you're a Mormon, I love Mormons. But any adult who would convert to Mormonism is not a normal person. No, and, and that's that is like a weird thing to think about. He did convert yes. as, a, as an adult. I mean, to you're, being like, a you're Mormon. like a forty-year-old man who decides you're going to stop drinking coffee and wear magic diapers. Yeah, and people who were raised Mormons—that's your thing, man. You go do it. <laughs> you go do it. You don't know any other way. Yes. But when yeah, that's that is kind of a weird thing. Where it's like, did he not even look at like being a Lutheran? Yes. Or, or like a Baptist or something. <laughs> Could have been a Buddhist. Did he give Buddhism a chance at all? I don't think so. <laughs> does, does he know that there's not only um, tantras, but tantric sex? He should call Sting immediately. I don't yeah. think he's explored <laughs> all of his religion choice options. He could have been a Jew. Yeah. I'm sure you would have walked him with we, open we, arms. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I might have to pass over Glenn Beck. There Let's you go. Say, who's, uh, who's the biggest Jewish celebrity? That was a... I am. That was... <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I wish our listeners could be in the room right yeah. now. And just... Nobody's listening to the end of this podcast. Oh, my God. No, I wish they could just be in the room right now and just see the look on your face when you said it as if, as if I'm a fool for not knowing that. I'm a performer, Dan. I'm a performer. Holy cow. Speaking of performing, we have two big performances coming up. We do. Uh, in uh, Both in June. So the first weekend of June, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing Colossal Con out in Sandusky at the uh, at the Kalahari Water Park yep, we uh, have in three, hotel. We have performances and panels. We'll be there Friday and Saturday. We'll publish a schedule soon on our Facebook page. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with cons, you got to be a little patient with them because, um, you know, they get their... It, they finalize their schedule like a week, maybe two weeks ahead yeah. of time if you're lucky. Well, I'm getting emails now. They are finalizing it as we speak. Oh, good. Well, they're a big con. They kind of have to oh, yeah, make yeah. sure that everything's uh, running in place. And if anybody drops out, to make sure they have fill-ins When we available. have those dates and times available, we'll post them on Facebook. Absolutely. And what are we doing June 14th? Uh, June 14th is the Action Comedy Nerd Show Live. We are doing a live comedy show at Toast Place in Menor. Um, Toast Place, your local watering hole in Mentor, Ohio. Yes. Um, sometimes I do trivia there. Um, <laughs> Me and Dan will be there performing, and as will some of our good friends like uh, Mitch Powers and uh, Jesse Huber. Jesse Huber is going to be hosting. We're very excited to have Jesse as a part of the uh, as part of the live show team now. And, um, uh, and just watch out for announcements about that. It'll be on Facebook and all of the interwebs as it gets closer. Yeah, and I, I'm still working on, uh, you know, trying to find, you know, the, obviously it's going to be East, sh- East Side Show. Um, looking for places where you could do possibly a West Side Show. So sure. stay tuned. Absolutely. Um, the West Siders, we love you. Um, and, and hey, if you're a uh, college or a club or a con or a comic book store and you want to have a comedy show, contact East Side Comedy. We will produce an event for you yes please all right so dan that's about enough babbling out of us uh that that's the action comedy nerd show yeah let's let's throw out a few thank yous i want to thank our friend jeff Geddert, who made our super cool original music thank you jeff and he also helps us with uh production he's a sound engineer friend of mine in tokyo Mm -hmm. i want to thank uh tracy for lending us this beautiful table on which to build our studio yeah thank you tracy thank you for listening i'm jerry jaffe this is Dan Brown. Please like my page on Facebook. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, X Dan Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Comedy Nerd Show.